the gobbler, he flew down and he went the other direction. So after about probably 15, 20 minutes, when it got good in daylight, uh, we decided to move and uh, located a, a, a group of birds. There were three, three gobblers. Uh, they were off in a field. So we set up in a little patch of woods and, and the field was down low and the woods was above. So okay. we set up in the woods. We They were calling. Uh, I was not calling, but Brad and Rusty were calling. And uh, okay. <laughs> a bunch of cows came over to the fence, probably 15, 20 yards from us. Uh, we were you know, in this little patch of woods on the other side of the fence. Well, this gobbler, he came and he got to the top of the hill. And he Camel boots on my feet, bow in my hand, walking in. Hey, Redbone, did you hear about that new deer feed? What new deer feed? Hey, Buck Grits, boys, you ain't heard of that yet? Buck Grits? BuckGrits.com. Well, tell us about it. What makes it better than any other deer feed? Well, Buck Grits has got the protein a deer needs. It's got the fat a deer needs. It's got the amino acids. It's got the energy. It's got it all, brother. It's going to well, bring them back after the rut, and it's going to put a rack on their head. And it's going to help the lactate and doe, I assume, too, after they have the fawns. That's right. Keep the fawns going and get them for the next crop. Well, where can I get Buck Grits? buckgrits.com you can get a sample you can order it directly from the website and we're coming to a retailer near you if you want to help a deer herd use buck grits i've been on a big board for a while i can load him in the back of my truck we can take it to a holler take it to a field across the creek up a big old Eagle Seed, Apex Ammunition, Amped Outdoors, Buck Grits, presents American Roots Outdoors. I'm calling via phone to the studio, Redbone Mike Grace and Wayne Locke. As it is drizzling rain, I'm out here trying to call a turkey in for one of my good friends. The first guy to ever filmed me in my entire career in the outdoors, Mr. Danny Barker. He's sitting in the truck. He don't want to be on the radio show, but this guy filmed me my first time as a kid, like 16 years old, and he's filmed me on many turkey hunts and deer hunts, and I'm trying to take him and film him, which he doesn't want to be filmed, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm taking him. He's a low-key guy, but anyway, we've got a great show lined up for everybody. The turkeys are hinned up here in the Ozarks. They're very tough. If you're hunting small pieces of property, they get on somebody else's property. You can't go over there, so that blows your hunt. That's what we've been facing the last two days. This morning, we've been out before daylight and traveled probably 50-mile circle, and I have not heard one gobbler. Wow. Wow. That is tough. And you're right. When, when you got uh, small parcels like that, and they get on your neighbors and they're hend up, you know, good luck trying to get them to, to cross back over. Exactly. I could share some stories with you guys, but if we could have moved on the turkeys to get where they's at, we could have killed the turkeys. But when they leave you and you can't obtain, cannot obtain permission to be over there, it, it just blows the hunt, you know. So either you drag them over from the neighbors or leave them alone. So we left them alone. And we also had trouble with deer bumping the turkeys when we decide to make a move and deer runs through them. 
So that shuts them up and pushes them away too. So that's a tip for everybody. If you're ever going to a turkey gobbling these brains out, and as you're going, all of a sudden they shut up, and you think you spooked them, it could have been a predator, or it could have been a deer, or anything other than yourself. Right, yeah, you got that right. It, so many different factors that play into that kind of stuff. I mean, or, or like we uh, talked about in our uh, first episode when we started this season off, it can just simply be an obstacle. Exactly. They, they, they reached that, yeah. that creek that you didn't know that was there or the fence line, and they said, eh, and turn around and just walk away nice and quiet. Yeah, Or a ditch yeah, or anything want, else in the world, right? Yeah, and what gets them, you know, we're reversing Mother Nature by calling the gobblers to us anyway. So the gobblers are gobbling to track the hens, and if he does, you know, you got to get one really worked up, gobbling hard, and get him interested in you to make him pull him away from hens and to to make him break, to make him come. So the secret right now to killing these turkeys is knowing where turkeys are at, coming to food plots, clover patches, etc., setting your Montana decoys up, and calling sparingly, and you're kind of luck, but you know they're there, so you're hoping they hear you, and all of a sudden one will gobble at a distance, and uh, then he slips in quietly. That's how we close the deal on that 25.60-pound long beard for that little boy here on the Missouri Youth Hunt. Right. Same thing. All right, so Alex, I got a question. Uh, concerning this particular issue, and, and I know in, in deer hunting, and, and, and you know, uh, I'm really not a turkey hunter, but uh, in the deer woods, when you get a problem with you can't get the bucks to come when you vocalize or try to call the bucks, and they, they, they're with their does, and, and they're just happy. That means you got too many does, yeah. too many does around. Could it be a factor that there are too many hens is the reason that it you can't? Be. I mean, there could be, yeah. Yeah, I mean, especially down in the south, I'm a reference to the south like Alabama, Mississippi, uh-huh. uh, where they have lots of hens, and especially Alabama. I remember going to some hunts down there, and you get on a gobbler, and all of a sudden you, you, you get him to come, or you get to where he's at, you can see him. He may have 15 to 20 hens. It's crazy. Uh, I have been seeing hens by themselves traveling on roads or whatever, seeing them in fields by themselves for over a month. So that tells me the hens have been laying eggs for a month. It doesn't mean they're setting, but they've been going to themselves, and I would assume that they are laying eggs. So I think we got different turkeys in different phases right now. I think the weather's slowing them down. It's slowing the gobbling activity down. They're still with the hens. They're still strutting. They're just not gobbling as much because think about it. It's just like humans. If you're cold and, you know, mating season come once a year, you would still show off your girlfriend, but if you heard another girl talk and you're content, do you care about that other girlfriend talking? Not really, because you're content. So the trick is going to where you know they're at, where they're spending time, calling sparingly and hope the hens accept you, or you get a gobbler fired up that's in, within the group and try to pull him away. Those are the tactics working good right now here in Southern Missouri. Okay. All right, and, and, and I'm going to ask a follow-up question to my other one. What can we do, or, or is there a solution to the fact of maybe having a, uh, a ratio of too many hens for your gobblers? I mean, you can't kill well, hens. So, I, don't, I, mean, I don't think, I'm telling you right now, our numbers, I've been listening to turkeys from the end of February plumb till now. I've heard less turkeys than I have in my entire life in southern Missouri. 
Now, some of it we can give credit to the weather, but also I think our numbers are really down. I think MDC, and I, I please do not take this disrespectfully, I think MDC needs to take a 30,000-foot perspective of Missouri, not as a whole, but as Missouri counties from the numbers that the turkey is being harvested in reference to the past years. Uh, there's a post out there that was put out showing the numbers. Our numbers are down tremendously from last year, the first two days of turkeys being harvested across the state. So they need to follow up, and, and they need to focus on counties individually and implement some some programs where maybe they shouldn't have fall season. They shouldn't have uh, let people shoot them with a bow. Uh, they want to get turkey numbers. But to answer your question, you can't have too many hands if you want to help your number, turkey numbers stay strong. Yeah, I was going to say, and to touch base on that, but going back, you know, with what Mike was asking, in areas that are overpopulated, it's re- very similar to like uh, deer hunting where they just gave out more doe tags, uh, you know, and you have to take advantage yeah. of the fall season and maybe get some of those those hens out of there. Um, two of the hardest things that you can ever ask a hunter to do is give up a tag or give up a, um, a time in the field. So, I mean, if you think about what can actually change to, to maybe increase the numbers of, of toms that we have out there and the jakes and that, and that is to cut back from, you know, three birds to two or five birds, like in some states, five birds to three. Um, but it's hard to convince a hunter that you need to do that. Or say, let's shorten the season. Well, good luck convincing a hunter that you want to take more time away from him when he only has two weekends of, you know, out of uh, or three weekends out of the month to even go after these guys. But uh, I know we got to go to a break right here, and when we come back, we'll pick back up on this. And you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. This is Brenda Valentine, and you're listening to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Wishing on some love. I've been on a big board for a while. Redbone, what would you say if I could tell you that you could kill a buck on a certain day? I would say you're crazy. There's no way to predict how the bucks are going to move. Well, you're wrong. There's a new camera out called Wise Eye Technologies. These guys can predict the actual deer movement exact time that a deer is going to come through. Really? Wise Eye Technology? This camera has five megapixel pictures, has a GPS system built inside, and it's an experience using this camera. It collects data and tells you the movement, wind direction, everything. On a camera? On a camera. WiseEyeTechnologies.com. And how do I find out more information about these guys? You go to WiseEyeSmartCam.com. I'm using them. You should, too. Make your hunt easier. Use WiseEye. Up a big old hill. Year after year. Got my hunting gear. Hornady presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoor segment two of the show. I'm calling you via phone. And from my American Roots truck, it's raining in Birch Tree, Missouri. Redbone and Wayne are in the studio, and this show is part two, segment two, show two, of strategies, calling techniques, hunting techniques for eastern gobblers here. So we're touching on calling techniques, and we're going to start it off with questions asked from Wayne and Redbone, and then I'm going to ask questions to them. So I'm going to start it off by asking you a question, Redbone. Okay. How was you when you first turkey hunted? Uh, I was, um, I'm going to say about uh, 52 or 53. 
Okay, share your most memorable turkey hunt and talk about the tactic and strategy. And I already know which hunt it is. It's going to be with Brad Fedig and Rusty. That's exactly let's right. Let's talk about that. Yeah, Brad. Yeah. Well, well, we went we went to a farm in Howell County, and uh, we actually. Uh, uh, they had went and roosted the birds the night before, and we went set up on the birds that was roosted. We had a hen fly down and walked, I mean, within 10 yards of us. We, we were set up, but the, the gobbler, he flew down, and he went the other direction. So after about probably 15, 20 minutes, when it got good in daylight, uh, we decided to move and uh, located a, a, a group of birds. There were three, three gobblers. Uh, they were off in a field, so we set up in a little patch of woods. And it, and the field was down low, and the woods was above. So okay. we set up in the woods. We they were calling. Uh, I was not calling, but Brad and Rusty were calling. And uh, okay. <laughs> a bunch of cows came over to the fence, probably fifteen twenty yards from us. Uh, we were you know in this little patch of woods on the other side of the fence. Well, this gobbler he came and he got to the top of the hill, and he saw those cattle, and he just took off running. I mean, he took off running just as fast as he could go, and he was coming right at us. And he 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 made a little turn. Well, my first turkey hunt, I did not want to go home without a bird, so I pulled down. Yeah. I pulled down with my old Stevens goose gun, and I yeah. I let yeah. it fly yeah. at this bird running full speed through the woods, and I nailed him. He never took another stop. He went down in a heartbeat. And uh, so he was running, coming to the calls. He, he was. He, he was. He, he was running. Uh, we we thought that the cattle spooked him because he he was coming he was coming running to the calls. He was running away from the cattle. And, I mean, he yeah, just he, I got you. he just he just came. I mean, he didn't know we were there, and those cattle came and spooked him, and he just took off. And uh, uh, Rusty went over to him immediately. He goes, "I can't believe you shot that bird as a dead run, and and uh, <laughs> at forty yards, and you hit him." <laughs> <laughs> I told him, I, I said, and he's a police officer. Yeah, I said, well, Rusty, I never shot at anything with a shotgun that I didn't hit. Uh, but anyway, <clears throat> that that was that was it. The bird weighed twenty five and a half pounds. Nice. And he had an eleven oh and a half inch beard, and he had one and a quarter inch spurs. Nice. Yeah. That that was a hook, Daddy, right there. Wayne. Yeah, he he was a good so, bird. And then and then to to expand on that. Uh, we relocated those three birds that we had been on earlier. And somebody said, hey, there they are right over there. So we set up right along the edge of the wood. And uh, uh, Rusty and Brad said, go over there and hide in those bushes. And they started calling. Those three turkeys were coming. They were standing side by side. They were gobbling every step. And they came from about 100 yards away. And they got to within about five yards <laughs> of the camera and Rusty. And he blasted one of them. And uh, first off, he wow. said, you didn't tell me how hard this gun kicks. <laughs> uh, but number two, uh, Bradley, Bradley's going, I kept telling you, shoot, shoot, shoot. And Rusty said, my earphone fell out. And he said, I couldn't tell how far away they were. But anyway, they were, they were about five yards when he killed that bird. So it was pretty exciting. There within 30 minutes, we killed two turkeys. That's a tribute. What would you contribute to the synopsis in your synopsis of the hunt? to create a successful hunt for those hunts. What, what are the factors, what are the things you could point out to, to our listeners that created success in there? Well, number, number one was the fact that Brad and Rusty were both calling. And one was on the camera, and the other one was just there just to call. And they were both calling, so 
you know, after what I've learned here in the past eight years since that happened, is that uh, uh, if you sound like multiple hens, you got a better chance of that bird coming to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, on that first hunt, the other contributing factor was my expert marksmanship. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and, and the fact that I didn't, yeah. and the fact that I didn't care if they got it on film or not, I just wanted to kill a turkey. Yeah, right. Uh, but the second yeah. hunt, and and again, uh, it was it was the calling techniques they were using. I mean, they sounded like two or three or four hens, and uh, those birds were just they were hot and they were coming in. And I mean, gobbling on every step, looking for love for a hundred yards, mm-hmm. and so that, I mean, that was it. I was I was I was impressed with what the boys did, and and then I noticed just a couple of days ago on Facebook, Brad killed a bird on uh, Tuesday morning. Oh. Yeah, Brad's a good turkey hunter. So is Rusty. Yeah, and uh, you know Wayne, uh, a great story that Redbone shared with us, and you know a great. Uh, synopsis or analogy of what created the success and again let's reiterate that let's talk about that number one is rusty and brad knew where the turkey's at they roosted mm-hmm. them they knew where they was at with no assuming and now with wise eye cameras if you got them set up in your food plots and strut zones you'll really know where they're at lane Redbone, and that's the only thing that's different you know back then we didn't have the cellular cameras That'll send pictures to you. Now you do. So it can help people if you use the wise eye smart cameras in many cams. Also, the calling techniques, the setup where you decide to set up at, that helped you close the deal. And sounding like multiple hens, Wayne. Right. Yeah, we talk about that a lot about them. The more hens you can sound like, and that's why we carry a variety of calls with us. Uh, you know, whether it be the slate, the glass, the the box, the you know, the different mouth calls that we have. I mean, look at the difference like with our mouth calls between the 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 one fifty and, and the uh, two fifty and the three fifty, you got three different three hundred or three hundred and three hundred excuse L300. me three hundred and you know you listen to the difference of those going from a nice clear one with the one fifty to more of a little raspy with the two fifty and then when you got the three hundred I mean you sound like an old boss hen I mean it, just with mm-hmm. switching those mouth calls you can sound like you know multiple birds you know the one other thing I want to say here about this hunt Alex when it was over and we were shooting some B roll just in case uh, Brad happened to catch me you know, killing that bird. Uh, I told the guys, I said, you know, uh, Brad and Rusty both played basketball at Alton. I said, I called basketball games when they were in high school. I called their basketball <laughs> games. And then here, you know, step ahead 15, 20 years, and now they called my turkey. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was pretty that, cool. That's beautiful. Yeah, it was pretty and, cool. And that's what I was doing today with Danny Barker. Mm-hmm. He's a low-key guy. He was special forces in the Army in Vietnam and that guy had traveled with me and, and I, I we're gonna title the show when we get a kill with him and when we go to edit it we're gonna call it paying back. You know? Not all paybacks are bad. You know? Right. So that that's gonna be the title of the show, paybacks. Yeah, well those Not guys all paybacks I, was, are ba- I was paying them back because uh I made them sound like a really, really a lot better basketball players than they actually were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, guys. I'm just kidding. You know that. Mike's in here with a shovel because he's taking some digs. uh, (laughs) Yeah. They're probably going to say after this show, yeah, that was a lucky shot, too. (laughs) What am I to be? Yeah. Yeah. You know, what a great story. You know, that's the cool thing about hunting is that, you know, you can turkey hunt with other friends and stuff and, 
and uh, make some wonderful memories together. And and you've got a wonderful memory with Rusty and with Brad. Mm-hmm. You know, that's back in the old bloodline days. And uh, I still yet have got the turkey hunt with you, Redbone. And it would be an honor maybe one day next week. Hopefully the weather's better. Turkeys are acting better. You can get away and we can get you on a turkey. Yeah. Well, that was that would be great. We'll try to make that happen. All right, right now we need to take yeah. a break. Folks, you're listening to American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge and friends, and we'll be right back. Hey, everybody, this is Michael Waddell with Bone Collector, and you're listening to my buddy Alex Rutledge on American Roots Outdoors, man. Don't miss an episode. Up a big old hill, year after year, got my How many of you are tired of your batteries running out of energy, out of power? Let me tell you about Amped Outdoors. I've changed using the batteries I have had in the past. Amped Outdoors, I have the new 80 amp, 24 volt, single battery, weighs 46 pounds. This thing has produced energy all day long. Tested for two days, total use 11 hours. Cannot tell the batteries have even lost any energy. Go to Amped Outdoors if you want to be successful and not run out of power. Eagle Seed presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, everybody. This is segment three of the show, the American Roots Outdoors. Again, it's raining here in southern Missouri. I'm sitting in my American Roots truck on FF Highway, the end of the pavement to my house. I got a great signal here. Uh, Wayne and Redbone are in the studio, and we just heard some great, uh, a great turkey hunting story, Wayne, and what some great, beautiful knowledge and tips that he shared with us. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it, one thing that made me kind of chuckles when he said he was using his goose gun, and I'm thinking, you know, now <laughs> everybody's after, like, the short barrels, you know, stuff like that. And here, there's uh, Mike walking around the woods with a 42-inch goose gun. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I set the gun on the ground, and and, the, and the, the end of the barrel is almost to the top of my head. <laughs> it's casting yeah, a shadow. You know, why they, you, know why they, you know why they carry them long barrel guns like that? It's not just for goose hunting. They no. can pole vault across creeks when they can cross <laughs> Yeah. But anyway, great, great story. Great tips for our listeners. My question to you now, Wayne, uh, you've turkey hunted for several years. Uh, you're getting back into turkey hunting now. Uh, we're going to hunt together this week and maybe some next week. Hopefully get you a gobbler on film if they get to acting right. Uh, what is a couple of your most memorable hunts? And, and talk about the calling techniques, decoy setups. By the way, Redbone, did you have a decoy set up in your, your, your hunt? Actually, actually, Redbone just stepped away from the mic for a minute. Okay. Well, let's talk about yours, Wayne. Yeah. Tell us. Well, I, I'm gonna. I got two I can share. One, one a little quicker than the other one. But the uh, as far as a, a harvest one goes, I would have to say it was my birthday bird, and that was uh, on May seventh. I shot my biggest bird of my career of turkey hunting, and that was a 28 pound tom. And I, I, it, it, it did not go as planned at all from the from the get go. And you know, when the bird flew down, I had scouted him. The um, like two days before and he flew down to the same field every single time so we set up on that field sure enough nothing had changed the weather was the same the the wind was the same nothing had changed the hens flew down in the field but for whatever reason he flew down in the opposite field and then when he started gobbling over there the hens just come a running over to him so 
he had no reason to even come back to me. And I was I, I worked that bird for I want to say six so about three and a half hours, and he stayed in the field. He would gobble. He'd respond. Uh, even if I tried the old, you know, be quiet, shut up, he'll work his way over to you to see what's going on. That didn't work. There was no obstacles in our way. I knew the land real good. Uh, could not figure out why this Tom wasn't leaving his hens other than the fact he had too many, too many, uh, birds to love on over there. So then I started remembering that, uh, something you had taught me. And that was, you know, we had talked one time is like, Hey, you know, if you can't call to the Tom, call to the hen. So I started calling, and then as soon as I had a hen cut me off, I knew that was going to be, that was the boss hen. She was the one in charge. So then I started, instead of communicating to the tom, I started communicating to the hen. And every time I would hear her, you know, cluck or yelp or whatever, I cut her off. And then she started getting mad about it, and she started working her way in closer and bringing the uh, the rest of the hens with her and bringing the tom with her. And I got her to where she came about 10 yards in front of me, walked in front of my gun, all the way to the right, and then he stayed out about 30 yards. And as he started, as he came around the corner, I was able to raise up, pound him, and then she came running back to him, and then they all kind of circled him for a minute and then took off running. Had no idea how big this bird was until I walked up on it. And um, for it to be that big and on my birthday with the gun that my son bought me for my birthday just made it overall just a very special hunt. But that was the first time I ever used calling techniques to call, to talk to the hen, not the tom, to actually change the hunt in my favor. So let me ask you, Wayne, if the hen yelped clear, would you yelp clear like her? You tried to sound like her, or would you try to make it sound different? You know, that's actually a good question. I'm trying to think if I even thought about that. Actually, I, my my biggest thing was I didn't I did not change the call when I found because I, I was using different calls and when I found the mouth call that worked where she would respond to it that's the one I stuck with and I want to say so you, you I she was a raspy she was a super raspy it's almost not like she had like uh, COPD cough you know a smoker's cough uh, and uh, I was acting more like, like a, a smoker yeah like an old smoker old smoker and I was using more of a clearer mouth call. Um, so uh, to me, I, uh, you know, looking back, you know, maybe now that I'm thinking about it, it could be that she was feeling threatened from a younger hen. You know, why is this young girl, you know, cutting me off? You know, she has no idea who she's messing with, you know, that kind of stuff. But, you know, once I got her to respond to the, to the call, the certain call that I was, you know, switched up to, that's the one I stayed with for the rest of the time. But boy, every time she would yelp, I would just immediately cut her off when she started, uh, doing her, um, excuse me. <clears throat> when she started doing her cutting, I'd cut her right off. Um, and it just, it, to me, it, it really just ticked her off. And you could tell because she came in, she was all puffed up. She was mad. She was looking around. Her head was high. She was bobbing back and forth, just looking for that hen that was the one that was picking on her. And I had moved my location. So I left my decoys back at my old location when I went to go cut the distance. So that I think also played in my favor is that she couldn't come in and hang up because she saw a decoy. And I did, these are all timber birds that I'm hunting, you know, at this point now. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think it worked in my favor to leave the decoys over there, have her come in and look. And that's when she was, like I said, she was able to walk right by me and then off to my right and brought that Tom in who otherwise never would have came in. Beautiful. Beautiful. Let's recap this before we go to a break and go into segment four. So if we if we listen to Wayne's story of his hunt, one of his most memorable hunts, 
what created your success, Wayne. Touch on that. Simple. I learned don't you don't always have to call to the time you can talk you can you and by calling i mean uh have a conversation with i hate saying calling because we really don't i don't like calling the birds i like talking to them something else that you have you know you've talked about many times uh, for the last few years here is that you you want to communicate with the uh the other bird you want to hold a conversation with them you don't want to call adam or, or that but uh you know going from hey this tom just is not responding to me you know, I need to change up the entire calling technique that I was doing and, and thought process, which a lot of hunters can't. You know, they, they get stuck on a way, and that's the way that's worked for the last, you know, 15, 20 years, five years. And that's the only thing they know how to do, and they don't want to change up. And I was able to say, hey, you know, I need to change something up. I got to do something different. Started uh, communicating with the uh, the hen, got her ticked off, and was able to work her in. Uh, and finding the right call, which call worked, which call does she respond to and stick with it? Don't start changing calls up again because she may have lost interest. I think, I think that was really good, really good points that you pointed out. So our listeners, you've learned something here, you know, carry a variety of calls. We just sound like different hands because not every call a church is going to respond to. It's a certain frequency, a certain sound that he may like. So that helped you create the conversation with the ends. Also, perseverance, staying in that location. He kept gobbling, and you stayed with it, and you finally found the right call that the hens like, and it pulled them to you, and you closed the deal. What right. a great strategy. What a great story. Exactly, exactly. And I, I know we got to get to a break right now, so I'm going to save maybe that second story for uh, the bonus segment. But uh, when we get back, we're going to talk to Alex here about uh, one of his most memorable hunts uh, for turkeys. And you're listening to American Roots with Alex Rutledge and friends. We'll be right back. Hey, y'all, it's Tyler Farr, and you're hanging with me and my good buddy, Alex Rutledge, on American Roots Outdoors. Around your heart, so you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Hey, turkey hunters, this is Alex Rutledge. Have you heard about Apex Ammunition? If you haven't, they are American-owned, American-made, made one at a time, hand-loaded. These turkey loads will give you the confidence that you need to close the deal on that old hook daddy long beard gobbler. For more information, go to www.apexammunition.com. Grits presents. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors, segment four of the show. Again, calling from my vehicle, American Roots truck, end of County Road, County Road F, <laughs> uh, State Highway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sitting here and watching the rain pour down, beating on my windshield and on the hood of my truck, and uh, just had a, heard a great story, Redbone, didn't we? With Wayne sharing his strategies, his technique, and one of his most memorable hunts. And what what makes your hunts probably memorable to you? Let's talk about that before you ask my question. What made your hunt really memorable for you, in your opinion? Well, I mean, the fact that it was the first time. I mean, there I was in my in my early fifties, and it was the first time I'd ever been turkey hunting. And I'd watched and I have family the turkey hunt, and they always talked about it how exciting it was, the adrenaline rush, and. Uh, you know, like like I said in, in the story, if people weren't with us, that that 
hen flew down and was out there, you know, 10, 15 yards in front of us. And my heart was pounding 400 miles an hour, and it was just a hen. And uh, uh, But then when we did see that turkey coming, and he got to the top of the hill, and he took off running. I mean, yeah. And then the fact that, that Brad and, uh, you know, guys that we worked with at that time, and it was actually back during the rut strut days, uh, when uh, uh, Brad and, and, mm-hmm. and Rusty were there and calling for me and, and made it all happen. I mean, that, that was it for me. It was, just, it was just a really cool day. And I'm sure you've told that story hundreds of times to your grandkids and friends and to people all over the world. I've told it a lot. Yeah, I have told that story a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Wayne, what about you? Point out to our listeners what makes your hunt uh, memorable to you. Well, that one was the most memorable simply for a, a couple, two reasons, really. One, it was my birthday. And I always wanted to kill a turkey on my birthday, you know, on May 7th. Could never do it. Uh, and the fact that I was able to finally do it, but two, it was done with the gun that all my kids pitched in on to buy me for my birthday that year, gave it to me, um, the day before my birthday, cause they knew they were going out. So, and my one son, uh, knowing that I don't never shoot nothing that I've never shot in the past, you know, before I won't take out a gun. I've never shot, gave it, they gave it to me in the morning. So I was able to get out target in real quick. Um, and then, uh, you know, get sighted in and then you know, use it the next day. Um, that to me is what made it so memorable. I, I was using something that my children knew was so important in my life and, and what I enjoy and bought me a gift. And I was able to use it to harvest something on a birth, my birthday that I've been trying for 20 years to try and do and could never do it. I think if we, we wrapped it up here, uh, talking about both your hunts, it all goes back to experiencing and sharing the hunt with someone. And something someone's done for you, so it's 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 we got to contribute the memory to being connected to someone or something. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree a hundred percent, and also would agree that uh, Wayne probably remembers because it's the first time that he tried calling to the hens and using a little right. different calling technique, and uh, you know, and that connects back to you, Alex, and the fact that you know he he had that in his brain. Well, let's see. One of the best turkey hunters in the world told me to start calling to the hens. And it worked. <laughs> and, right, and, it, and worked. it worked. And I had tried in the past, but I could never get it. I could never get a hen to come over to me, you know, on purpose. Right. <laughs> on <laughs> accident all yeah, the time, well, but on purpose. That, well, what, that, I'm, that, what I'm thinking as I'm sitting here listening to this story is that if I do get the turkey out some, and, and I may try and hunt this weekend, is that's just going to be my strategy from the get-go. <laughs> Yeah. Especially if I know, there, up, I know right. there are, where there are some birds, and I'll just try and get the hens to come in, and maybe the gobblers will follow. Yeah. We'll follow. Well, the thing to do right now, the technique, as I said earlier, would be to go to an area that's a strut zone where they're spending a lot of time, set up your Montana decoys, your perfect pair, a jake and a hen, and you want to face them towards you, the the jake, of course, and call sparingly. If they're not gobbling good and they're frequenting there, you're not calling too aggressive, the hens sometimes will accept that and still walk into the food plot. That's a trick. The minute you start calling aggressive right now, or even calling, we actually watched a gobbler, uh, actually three gobblers with four hens coming up a fence row at 500 yards. We're set up in a strut zone, and we're looking, and I look across 500 yards over there, and these hens are coming, and in behind them is three gobblers. If I'm lying, I'm dying right now sitting in this truck. As soon as I hen yelp, they all stopped, and we're hid up on this big flat looking across this great big field. 
And as soon as I called, they stopped and looked. And I yelped again. They turned around and started feeding away back across the county road to the other neighbor's property where they came from. They did not want to socialize with any other hens. So that's why a lot of people's not hearing any gobbling, because the gobblers are content right now. They've got hens, and and the the people that are killing gobblers are being blessed uh, either on a satellite gobbler or gobblers just got tired of the hens he was with. But to answer your question, we're changing gears. One of my most memorable hunts, and I've got a lot of them, it's taking kids and also taking my wife, Linda Bird. Uh, she shot many gobblers in front of me, and uh, I'll never forget one that she shot. We was hunting a farm over in Summersville, and uh, when we was newlyweds, and we killed two gobblers that morning. I killed one, she killed one, she killed hers first. I'll never forget, we located the turkey in some woods. We eased down there, set up on the turkey. And the sun is shining right towards us. It's one of those bad setups. You don't ever want to set that way if you can help it. It was cloudy. Then the sun would come out. Cloudy sun come out. Anyway, the sun was kind of shining towards us every now and then. And this gobbler's gobbling. He's coming closer and closer. And we set up in some thick trees where we blend in. And she's sitting in front of me, just you know, to the left or to the right of me, just a little bit. And we're right on the edge of that field. And all of a sudden, you can hear that turkey drum, and he's coming closer and closer and closer. And he gobbled, and you can hear the rattle on these gobbled. He's so close. And I'm thinking, you know, she's not 10 yards in front of me. Why isn't she shooting? Why isn't she shooting? I'm thinking, she's going to let this turkey get away. I'm going to kill it. And she let that turkey get within 10 yards of her before she <laughs> shot him. He weighed 26 pounds. And had like eleven and a half inch beard, inch and a quarter spurs. And I said, Linda, why did you wait so long? She said, Well, I knew I had all the time I wanted because when you set up, you couldn't see where I could see. (laughs) 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 I knew you weren't going to shoot him because I'm going to shoot him because he couldn't. You couldn't see from where you was at. I looked it over when we set up, and she shot him twenty six pounder. And I mm. thought that was pretty funny of her. <laughs> and it was nice enough for you to, to let the ladies go first, too, on that one, too. Mm-hmm. So we we stuck another one, went back towards the truck, made another one, turkey got on another section of woods, went over there, I called him up, killed him. He's a 23-pounder. So we killed two big longbeards that day. I'll never forget it. That's actually when we was dating, right before we was married. But uh, it's good to have a wife that hunts. And I guess to 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 share with everybody, what made that hunt successful is one, we located the turkey with a tube call. We moved in on the turkey, sat down, checked him with a ARO crow, well, not at that time, but a crow call, and sat down. We did not have a decoy, and we set this partner. She sat to the right, I sat to the left, and I had trees in line with me to break my movement. She could see better than me, and her patience and the calling that we used with diaphragms and to finish the turkeys. And is the same thing as the E-250 when I was running. And the turkeys come in close enough, and her patience paid off. And she made a, a good good kill on the gobbler. So being patient, knowing where the turkeys are at, setting up correctly, and holding out, waiting for the right time to shoot is what made that hunt successful. Yeah, Alex, I thought you were going to say, when, when, when I asked her why she didn't shoot or why she let him get so close, she was going to say, well, I fell asleep until I heard him gobble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, I fell asleep many times in the woods, but 
Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to all three of us sharing a story because it involves somebody. Think about that. Yep. Some way or another, it involves somebody doing something special or being together. And that's what's so cool about turkey hunting. We can hunt with somebody, and, and we've got those memories with each other. When I was driving around this morning with Danny Barker in my truck with me, he's 70 years old, a Vietnam veteran. We were sharing stories back and forth. It, it was cool. It was like a reunion with Danny to spend time with him talking about, you remember this turkey we killed, Allie? Remember this buck we killed? Mm. Remember when you got in trouble for calling before season in Kentucky and they give you a fake citation? <laughs> all this stuff. It was funny. You know, but just, it's all about people, man. So yep. uh, before we wrap the show, the radio part, of it, I just want to say, share the outdoors with, with one another, with somebody you love, friends. I've been taking kids the first two days here. Then I finally take an older guy, someone that uh, I think a lot of, he'll probably be one of the guys if I pass before him, they'll carry me also to my grave. But uh, I want to give something back to him. So hopefully this weather will break and straighten up and we get back together again. I took another little boy this week, and we got to watch gobblers, and he learned how to move on a gobbler, get set up. We filmed two big gobblers with hens, and the hens took him away. A uh, little Reed Tune and his dad, Justin Tune, Tune logging and sawmilling. And he, he had an absolute great time. Even though he didn't kill a gobbler, he got to watch him, got to see him, hear him gobble. And that's what it's about, you know. God's creation, experiencing the outdoors, and take somebody hunting. Yeah, I agree, I agree 100%. And we're going to wrap the show up. Uh, I want to let everybody know thanks for listening to us this uh, this nice Saturday or possibly Friday, depending upon when you're listening to this. And there's going to be more on our bonus segment. To listen to the bonus segment, just uh, click over to the American Roots Outdoors on your favorite podcast carrier. We're going to be talking about uh, some maybe some funny stories of maybe ones that got away or something that happened on a hunt that made made the hunt more memorable in a more funny aspect. But uh, again, everybody, like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. So you never got to worry what the wind might do. American Roots. Thank you for joining us for today's American Roots Outdoors Radio with Alex Rutledge. You can find us on Facebook. Look us up on the World Wide Web at AmericanRootsOutdoors.com. We'll be back again next week on this great radio station. Welcome back to American Roots Outdoors with Alex Rutledge and friends. Uh, if you're listening to this, that means you're listening to us on our podcast, and we appreciate you being a podcast listener. Make sure you hit subscribe, like, whatever your podcast carrier says that you need to do. Uh, just uh, throw another statistic out there, uh, Mike. Uh, we are now ranked number 40. I just got the uh, the rankings right. were released uh, yesterday. We're ranked number 40 in the nation right now. So that's, uh, you know, hats off to uh, all of our guests and that that we've had on that's helped us get to that achievement, Mark. Yeah, and thanks to the folks that listen to the podcast listeners. We appreciate because we couldn't get there if they didn't listen and, and you know, leave the reviews and, and do all that stuff. Oh, exactly. And speaking of reviews, uh, by the at the end of this bonus segment here, we're going to announce who the review winner was. Oh, cool! And uh, they've got a nice little package coming out to them. But uh, yeah, I mean, not only the guests, but like you said, the listeners, and of course our sponsors, uh, who are nice enough to uh, you know see our vision, uh, match yep. up with us, and say, "Hey, I like what you're doing, and we, you know we're going to help you move forward with this." Yeah, because we can't do it without them. That's absolutely for sure. Yeah, no doubt. All right, on the radio show, Alex, we, we, or Wayne, we were talking about. Uh, 
you know, our most memorable turkey hunts. I know that you had two that you wanted to mention. We only got the one due to the time constraints of the radio show. So what what was your second story that you wanted to tell? Yeah, the second one is actually not even, it's not a success story, but it's a story that involved one of my, my, my children. And that was uh, my daughter was finally old enough and, and I would say calm enough where she, I'd say, okay, I can take her out turkey hunting with me this year. She's been wanting to go. She's wanting to get her her hunting license and that. And I'm going to take her out for her first experience turkey hunting. But she, this, you know, Allie, she loved to talk. I mean, she was a talker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept telling her for you know a couple of weeks leading up to. It, I was like, listen, you can't talk, and you know, it's not like deer hunting where we're going to be in a stand next to each other and you can whisper. I said, these turkeys' eyesight is phenomenal. Their hearing is phenomenal. You're going to have to be quiet. Well. The day before, I said, you know, listen, there's two rules that we got. One is you can't talk. Once you hear a gobble or I tell you, you know, you see my hand come up letting you know there's a turkey around, there's no talking. And I said, rule number two, there's no talking. <laughs> I said, period. No <laughs> exceptions, no nothing. Sure. You cannot talk. And because um, I wanted her to, A, absorb what's going on, watch what's going on, and not ruin it by, you know, her asking questions. Save the questions for afterwards. I mean, just like you teach any of your kids. And – um so we get out there, beautiful morning. I mean, it's like one of those things that you you would write about in a book of sunrise. It's orange. It's beautiful. Birds started chirping. Um, it was a little on the colder side. I brought a sleeping bag for her. She curled up in it, fell asleep. There was no gobbling, though, off the roost, which was kind of odd. It's like, you know, everything else was perfect. Why not that? So I, I told her when we were driving there, I reiterated, I said, what are the two rules? She's like, no talking. And I said, what's rule number two? She's like, dad, no talking. I said, okay. I said, you got it down. I told her, I said, you know, I, I know where the birds roost. They're going to come right down this old tractor logging path. And we were hunting state, state land at the time. I said, they're going to come right down this path. I said, when they get to this fallen oak tree that's been there for years, I said, when they get to that point, I said, when he gets there, then he's going to be in range. And I said, you know, that's when we're going to take him. She's like, okay, cool. Well, it's cold. She's in her sleeping bag. She falls asleep. No birds are gobbling. Finally, about three hours after sunrise, I'm able to strike a bird and he gobbles. I'm like, oh, sweet. He, I know he's on that tractor path, probably about 100 yards down around the bend. So I tap her, wake her up, and I put my fingers up to my lips, tell her to be quiet, you know, so she not, you know, remembers not to talk. And I point you know, towards the tractor path. And then he gobbles again. And she, boy, her eyes got all big and everything. She was excited now. And um, sure enough, here comes that Tom, and he gets around that bend, and for whatever reason, don't know why, we're in a blind, so it's not like he saw any movement or anything, he just hung up. He would not come past that old oak tree, that fallen oak tree. Hmm. And uh, he just kept walking back and forth, back and forth, just gobbling his head off, and finally just walked away. And he was a young bird. He was probably only a two-year-old. But I, I, whether he was young or not, I was going to take him because my daughter's with me. I want her to be able to experience this sure. whole thing. And um he finally walks away. I call a little bit more. I wait about 20 minutes and I realize, okay, he's just not coming back. So I turned to, I turned to her and I said, I said, what'd you think of that? And she's like, well, why didn't you shoot it? And I said, well, remember I said, you know, you had to get, he had to get on this side of that oak tree. I said, otherwise he was out of range. I wish I had those uh, apex ninjas back yeah, then. But yeah. you know, um, I said, but he never came back. She said, well, why didn't you shoot the other one? <laughs> I said, I said, Allie, what, what other one? I said, there's only one there. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, no, the one that was right here. And she points to a tree that's 20 yards to my left. (laughs) 
And I was like, what are you talking about right there? She's like, well, there was one that came from back over here and just stood right there. And I said, why didn't you tell me? She goes, you told me I can't talk. <laughs> I'm like, you got to be kidding me. But I mean, that to me, that it was just a funny way it went down. And it's like one of those slap in the forehead moments of like, okay, I got to rethink of how I tell my kids they can't talk. Yeah. You know? but, Unless it's really important. Right, right. Like there's a turkey standing out there 20 yards <laughs> yeah. from us. Yeah, that's funny. I, I actually took Adam one time. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm not a turkey hunter, but he wanted to go and I could you know, make a call sound like a, a, a turkey. So okay. we went to a farm that we knew there were a lot of birds and we got out and we were walking up a trail and doing a couple of owl hoots. And sure enough, the birds just lit up all over. I mean, we probably heard six or eight different gobblers. Wow. Goblin. And we're walking up this old, uh, uh, there's a road actually goes up the hill. We're walking up this road to get up to, where, to the top of the hill on the ridge where I wanted to hunt. And all of a sudden I look and we see a turkey fly out of a tree not more than 25 or 30 yards from us go and flies up to the top of the hill. I said, we're careful. We can get up there and get on that bird. So we get up to the top of the hill, didn't see the bird feels on both sides of us. And there was one little sprague of a tree. And I said, let's just set up right here. It was, I said, we've seen turkeys before when we deer hunting walk right along this, this old road that mm-hmm. went perpendicular to the other road. So, <clears throat> okay. So we set up there. And uh, I just made a couple of calls, and we hear gobbles, and we, we look over to the right, and there's two gobblers coming, just just gobbling their heads off. And they got to with about 25 yards, and they, they made a little turn and went down to a uh, went down to a, a pond, and went down beside that pond, and then they, they just disappeared. So And when they were gone, and not, we couldn't hear them gobbling or make any more noise, I said, Adam, why didn't you shoot one of those turkeys? And he goes, I didn't know if you wanted me to shoot one of them. And it was kind of the same thing. I said, well, yeah. And he said, well, I didn't know for sure if they were Jake's or not. I said, no, their beards were dragging the ground. That's not a Jake. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the point being, you better make sure that your kids know what a gobbler is. Right. When you take them out. Yeah. Because, and, and Adam, I mean, I was, you know, that just been seven or eight years ago. So he was in his mid twenties when that happened. So Wow. Anyway, but it's fun. It's always fun to get out there with the kids. All right, Wayne, we need to wrap it up. I know real quick you're going to tell us who the winner is. Mike, line three. Yep, I'm pulling it up right. Oh, give me one second here. Oh, my gosh, I lost it. Uh, uh, Sean Wilson from uh, Virginia was our uh, podcast uh, review winner. Uh, we got a big package going out to uh, to him. Uh, it's going to be a signed mouth call. We got a signed hat and a, a shirt that we're going to be sending out to him. So uh, congratulations, Sean Wilson uh, from Virginia. You are the winner of the podcast review. And uh, again, everybody, we want to thank everyone for listening, uh, shooting us up to number 40 this week on our ranks. And uh, like we say here at American Roots, when your roots run deep and strong, there's no reason to fear the wind. <laughs>